Surviving the Clone Wars. Hello and welcome to Surviving the Clone Wars, where we review Star Wars The Clone Wars one episode at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew. I'm your other host, William. William. Hey. We have to call a family meeting. Okay. Gather around, children. Gather around. No, no, Timmy, do not, no. Do not stick Tim. your finger in his ear. Timothy, what did he just say? Right, now. William, we are making a change. Yes. So, this podcast is very hard to make. Isn't that right, William? Well, considering we advertise it as a weekly podcast... And it's been four months. Four months, yeah. Since the last episode was uploaded. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it works a lot better in theory. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to practicality, it, yeah, it takes a lot of time uh, in order to, to keep it consistent. Yeah. So here's the thing uh, we like doing a podcast, we just don't like the. 10 or so hours of editing that it takes every episode, <laughs> at least. Also, the two or three or so hours it takes for us to try to remember a 30-minute show we just watched. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, what we've decided to do, William, yeah, is we're going to put this podcast on hold uh, indefinitely. So, we're not sure when it'll come back. We hope it will come back. Um, we yeah. just have no idea when. And in its place... We've decided to start a whole different podcast. Oh, dang it. I thought you were going to continue singing it. No. Don't be ridiculous, William. But yeah, a okay. uh, whole different podcast. Um, this podcast is not going to be about Star Wars. Uh, in fact, it's not going to be about anything. We decided that... Um, we would have a lot more fun if we could just talk about whatever we want and uh, do whatever we want. So not only is there no topic, but there's no format. So anything could happen. Uh, but it also has no schedule, which is a huge help for us. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just going to be whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. Just like The Purge. But with less <laughs> everything that happens in the movie. Well, in the movie, apparently the only thing anyone ever wants to do is murder people. It's the only, I haven't seen it. It's the only crime anyone does. No one just like steals a candy bar or anything. Really? Yeah. It's just it's purely murder. Is it? Is it a good movie? No. Oh, <laughs> I don't know anything about it besides that there's no rules it's and there's dumb. a lot of blood. Yeah, there's no rules. Why are we talking about the purge on <laughs> surviving? This the is a little Wars. preview of what yeah. this this other show is going to be like. Yeah, isn't it great? Mm-hmm. So Matthew, yes, what's this new podcast called? Awkward pauses. I don't get it. It's called awkward pauses because um, we're not going to do so much editing either. Because like we said, it takes a very long time. So basically, we're just not going to sweat the awkward pauses. We're, so gonna if do there's awkward... we're just going to do it live. We're going to Bill O'Reilly it. We're going to do it live. We're going to iCarly it. We're going to do it live. <laughs> we're not going to do it while we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do it alive. But that's Awkward Pauses. It's a brand new podcast from the boys back home. And uh, you can learn all about it by visiting awkwardpausespod.com. And guess what, William? What? The first episode? Yeah? Is out now. 
Whoa, I wish you had told me earlier. Just like this show, you can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can just search Awkward Pauses and it should show up. Or, once again, you can go to awkwardpausespod.com and you can get uh, links to all those places and links to Facebook and Twitter for Awkward Pauses. But Matthew... What is what is it, buddy? What's, Are you okay? What's going to happen... <laughs> Thank you for treating me like a small puppy. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Little Timmy, Timmy fell down the hole. Well, well? <laughs> no, but what about what about surviving the Clone Wars? What, what's going to happen? Well, again, it might not be gone forever. Uh, we'll try to, you know, maybe we might end up experimenting with other ways of doing it. We talked about maybe doing YouTube videos at some point. Yeah. So kind of like it may come back in a new incarnation. Yeah, it may come back in a new incarnation. What in tarnation? You better give me a good explanation for these low food rations. They're the best in the nation. Don't report that at the station. Well, I'm going to go on vacation. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> William, is there anything we'd wish to remind the listener before we get started on this, the grandish finale? of the current incarnation of surviving the clone wars why certainly matthew and that is that you don't actually have to watch the show star wars the clone wars to enjoy our podcast yes that's true in fact i'm not even going to remind you of the reasons all of it it's like that one movie it's like that one star wars movie william it's like uh it's like it's like that star wars movie But yeah, you don't have to watch the show in order to enjoy the podcast. So, William, without further ado... John Williams is a genius. (coughs) Republic Outpost, overrun. The Jedi have lost all contact with a clone security force stationed on the bleak, snow-covered planet of Ortoplutonia. Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker, accompanied by dignitaries from the nearby moon of Pantora, are sent to investigate the disappearance of the clone troopers on the desolate and forbidding landscape. William! Matthew! How does this episode start? Well, it starts with exposition, as always. Yes. But it was actually interesting exposition. It was cool exposition. It was cool. And it was on a snow the, planet. The little flash, like. the, the prologue with the guy talking. The guy that sounds like he's always trying to sell you something. Yes. But granted. He totally is. Star Wars toys. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays that one guy with the mustache He on plays the, the general. Yeah. But the prologue was very interesting to me. Very visually, in- visually interesting. I thought it was more verbally interesting. Not in the fact that he, the guy sounds like he's trying to sell me something all the time. But in just kind of how he sets up the episode already pulled me into being interested in the whole thing. I just thought, because it starts out like, hey, look, it's a snow planet. And then, hey, look, it's dead clones, and they're all frozen and stuff. And then and then there's a <laughs> shot of, like, just Anakin, like, awkwardly standing in the transport ship, which I thought was really funny. But <laughs> Wearing a big fluffy hood. <laughs> a big fluffy... I don't know if he had his hood up yet. He well, might have put that up when he got out. He was still wearing it. Yes. And it was fluffy. So they're on a snow planet, which is probably not Hoth. It was Orto, not Hoth. Orto Plutonia. That sounds so, like, far-fetched Star Wars. <laughs> it does. It's like, 
definitely George Lucas did not come up with it. It was like, yeah. you ask a Star Wars fan, come up with a Star Warsy sounding planet. Uh, uh, Orto Plutonia. But luckily, they don't really say it in the episode, so it's yeah. kind of fine. But um, there's lots of snow planets. There are apparently a lot of sand planets. True. Kind of forgot about the whole Jakku thing. Yeah. Rinvar is my favorite ice planet. It just it sounds so cool. That sounds like something George would come up with, like a good thing he'd come up with. Rinvar. So Anakin and Obi Wan get to this snow planet with Chairman Cho. Which, fun fact, William. Yeah? This is not the only Cho that we have seen in recent memory. Oh, yeah. Because there's totally a Cho Chang in Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which we will be reviewing later in a new installment, maybe the last installment, of William Potter. But yeah, it's uh, Chairman Cho and Senator Chuchi. Chairman Cho, Senator Chuchi, I suggest you wait here until we can secure the area. I respect your judgment, General Kenobi, but I will go where I choose. This is sovereign Pantora territory. I thought this planet was uninhabited, and therefore it's not aligned. Our moon of Pantora is the only civilization in this system. I'm the one who asked the Senate to protect this planet. This wasteland belongs to us. With all due respect, Chairman, this is for the Senate to decide, not us. Ah, but the Jedi report to the Senate, which is Senator Chuchi of Pantora. Technically speaking, Master Jedi, the Chairman is correct. Since the planet is uninhabited, the moon of Pentora reserves the right to continue as its protectorate. Point taken, Senator. Anakin, stay here with the Senator and the droids while we secure the base. We're two blue humanoid aliens from a nearby... Pantoran, it looks. Pantoran. Like it is. Pantoran. What's the name of the planet they're from? Pantora. It's Pantora? Yeah. Blue aliens from a planet named Pantora. Pantora. Which is... Which is basically just a ripoff of Avatar. In a way. There's I mean, one letter difference. Blue people from a planet that almost sounds like Pandora. You know. But it was it was different enough to be okay. Sure. These people were much more civilized than the, uh, than the Navi. Yeah. And there were a couple of other Pantorans with them too that are just kind of like bodyguards. Yeah. And Chairman Cho and Senator Chuchi are... Cho and Chuchi. Cho and Chuchi. Fridays on ABC. I was going to say they're pretty much opposite, but they're exactly opposite. Yeah. But we'll get to that as it goes along. Yes, we will. But they arrive on this planet and they soon find... Oh, well, the real reason... quick. Hang Do on. What? Real quick. The In the beginning of this episode, the animation was like really good, I thought. I thought it was kind of the whole thing. Just like the the movement was a lot more dynamic and like realistic and natural for like the first five minutes. It kind of it kind of faded away afterwards. Yeah, it it did feel a lot more kind of real because we we've mentioned before that everything in the show kind of looks like it's painted. Yeah, like even three D textures kind of look like someone just painted in layers. Yeah, a little bit. And this actually kind of had a sense of realism to it. It did, but like I guess it's hard to make even snow just the way the characters move was just really it was quick and realistic and not robotic like it always is it got a little more robotic later on but it felt very natural which i really appreciate i did too it helped me it helped kind of draw me into it more yeah because i felt like i was watching an actual star wars movie more so than 
like than previous the other episodes. episodes. Yeah. yeah. And the music really helped with it too. I the very it was a little there was a little bit of a bong situation going on. Oh, I didn't really notice that. Kind but, of inception y. Yeah, but I did really I, I, I like the music. But as far as the instrumentation went, like this show's kind of been hit or miss so far with the music. Yeah. And but this one, like, there were moments where I was like that actually sounds like some That's more or less something that John Williams would write. John Williams, yeah. yeah. But they start walking around the planet, and they're they're headed towards a Republic outpost. And uh, this outpost, they gotten word that they had been wiped out by supposedly nothing, because this is supposed to be an un- uninhabited planet. Exactly. What's going on, William? Yeah. And Anakin and Obi Wan are pretty much like doesn't look like it's uninhabited to me. Because they get there and they find a bunch of clone helmets on spikes. <laughs> <laughs> but even so... Uh, I was kind of hoping this... A lot of moments in this could have been, like, way bloodier if it weren't a kid's what it is. Yeah, Because true. that totally could have been, like, heads on spikes. But they just kind and of there balanced some, helmets there's on some, spikes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was still it was still pretty creepy, though. It was. And for some reason, Chairman Cho was still convinced, oh, there's nothing on this planet. Yeah. And And he was thinking it was um, the Separatists. Yeah, that's true. And a little bit of his selfishness kind of starts to show here. And really his pride for his own kind of race. I guess. Most of his selfishness really comes from the fact that since his species is like the one really intelligent species, supposedly in the system, that the planet belongs to him. He's just a big jerk. Yeah. But he is thinking, well, it must be the Separatists. Whereas Obi-Wan and Anakin are like... I don't think we're dealing with Separatists. These computers haven't been touched. There are no blaster blaster wounds and... The Separatists don't, don't generally <laughs> they don't put generally heads on spikes. spears. Exactly. But they decide to go check out the scene anyway, I guess. I mean, well, the they decide to they decide like, to explore more, I suppose. Yeah, and maybe they behold, get like a a signal from another ship somewhere. Yeah, so they go to they go to check that out in these really cool speeder bikes. Yeah, I loved those. Like, they look like something from F Zero, honestly. A little bit. Yeah. From um, I mean, I'm not that familiar with F Zero, but sure, I want one. Don't we all? I'll park it next to my pod racer in the garage. Is that what that thing is? Yeah. Well, it's hard to tell because it's kind of in three pieces right now. It looks more like a thousand pieces. Yeah. But they go to check out this other place that they know about. And on the way, we get glimpses of a creature looking at them. William. Uh, I think I was writing notes at this point because I don't remember seeing that. Yeah, there was just a little glimpse of furry things or maybe i did i was thinking wampa because snow and snow. white furry things furry that kills things. things yeah but they go to this other place and hey it is a separatist ship it's a crashed separatist ship i believe Ooh. so cho was right maybe i don't know until they go inside and whoa spears on the ground with battle droid heads yeah just like, like carefully balanced on them <laughs> those battle droid guts I imagine, everywhere i imagine that it took them a really long time to balance those heads because they're not like they're not helmets to where it's a dome it's like well they have like the necks that have like two beams so they were, it was yeah. kind of just like put it on like it was a slot 
But anyway, battle droid heads. Not as creepy as clone trooper helmets because a human head goes in that. Yeah. But it's still, it's like, whoa. What's, what's going this on? Thing? Both sides. So they start doing some investigating. Did you find anything? I found some large footprints. Have one of your men make a cast. So they're looking around and they find a couple pieces of evidence. There's a big footprint. And Anakin's like, oh, what's th- what made this, you think? Is it a wampa? Maybe. I mean. Who knows? Wipe everything. Snow planet. Makes sense. Killing stuff. Big footprint. But then they decide, hey, let's check the memory data banks. Sensors are in place. I think I found something. Blast it. Six, eight, five to command. There are too many of them. They've overrun the base. We need reinforcements. And, of course, the first video that they pull up is a battle droid being like, I need reinforcements. And then a flash of some white creature that... Looks kind of like a wampa. Is it a wampa? Is it a wampa? There's a wampa. There's a footprint. There's white furry things. There's a snow planet. Maybe it's a wampa. There's a wampa. So at that point, they're like, okay, so this planet is definitely inhabited by something. Let's go check it out. And Anakin and Obi-Wan decide to fly solo. Han Solo. Actually, if they're going together, that's two, so that's not solo. Han duo. (laughs) Did they have like... A piece of evidence that pointed them in the right direction? I don't remember how they... Or maybe just for the sake of a 22-minute episode, they just kind of know I think they just went in a direction and then found... Because they, when they got there, there were like these little flashy things on mountains. It was like a reflection of something. And they pulled out their super binoculars or whatever. And they were like, do you see that? There's some kind of reflection up there. Do you see it? Yep. Well, they know we're coming. Let's go. You know, something I liked about this episode was that it's, it's very much a mystery episode. It is. Well, for, but, the first, for the first bit. Yeah. But the thing is, like, you've got this Republic outpost, and then the Separatist ship, and then this alien base that they find and they're all fairly close together yeah and yet no one knew what was going on that's true but um well speaking of that oh speaking of the alien village they they find find this alien village village. (laughs) it is and it turns out to not be wampas there are big furry white things that live on a snow planet they're called towels towel like t oh there's an actual z t-a-l-z towels but is the Z like the plural form of a towel? No, I believe it's... One of them is a towels. Sure. So it's kind of like deer? How deer is the plural of deer? Sure. Well, maybe one is towels and the plural is talzoxen. Sure. <laughs> so talzoxen, as we'll call them from now on. <laughs> sure, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> if, it's, if it's not too hard to say. <laughs> <laughs> I might forget. Remind me. Okay, I'll try. Um, they pretty much look like wampas, except a little smaller and with kind like of insecty, insectoid faces. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. They got these four kind of buggy eyes and almost like a miniature proboscis <laughs> that just kind of wiggles around when they talk. A little bit. I feel like, is this the thing that like threatened Luke or something in the can- in the cantina? No. 
Well, I feel like if this this creature exists in the cantina somewhere. Uh, I don't know. I thought it looked familiar, but I don't think it was in the cantina scene. I know it wasn't the creature that threatened him. Yeah. I don't know what he looked like. Let me... Yeah, these were in A New Hope. Click, click on it. Maybe they were in the cantina. Like in the back somewhere? I think... Yeah, hang on. It wasn't the guy that threatened Tells him. A New Hope. Yeah. Just hanging out. Yeah. Okay. I knew it looked familiar. So there was a Tal's Muftak, I believe is the name of the one in the cantina, but there was a Tal's in the cantina. That's cool. I love it when they do stuff like that. Yeah. But it's also, it's strange because you would think if it's in the cantina, it's like an advanced creature. So maybe this is just a not so advanced civilization of this species. Well, I mean... Like how we, we still least, have... At least about like 35 years had passed between then and that episode. Yeah, but that's... That, that kind of advancement doesn't happen in 35 True. years. True, so I'm thinking but maybe they, they this were is, just discovered by like outside species. No, but I'm like thinking advanced, this is maybe... But I'm thinking this is maybe like a, a just a tribe... Like how we there are still human tribes who live oh I very simply so maybe this is that kind of situation or maybe they just didn't think it through that hard that could also be the case William but it was still pretty neat I, I like it when they kind of bring back classic stuff like that yeah I like that especially stuff that's not developed at all exactly like a rando guy in a cantina but anyway they found the towels. Too bad we didn't bring 3PO along. How do you plan on communicating with these things? Patience. Maybe they're smarter than we are. And they got huts and... Not Jabba the huts. <laughs> huts they live in, the living kind. The, the house the house huts. Which are not pet huts. Pet Jabba's. They're... <coughs> they have huts that they live in. <laughs> and these kind of wolfish things that they ride. Yeah, it kind of looks like a saber-toothed tiger, but blue. Almost like a Pokemon based on a saber-toothed tiger. Like how Squirtle is based on Turtle? (laughs) Or how Ekans, the snake, is just snake backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So what's this this creature called, William? Wolfo. (laughs) Wolfo. Wolf, uh, but we've established that it's a tiger and not a wolf. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Reba's, because it's saber backwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so they ride Reba's. The Tal's oxen ride Reba's. The Tal's oxen ride Reba's. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't gotten to their interaction. Yes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm attempting to get to that, William. <laughs> <laughs> so, Anakin and Obi-Wan, they, they make contact. Yeah. And, and they, they're being cautious. Yes, of course, because this is a primitive civilization that may yeah. or may not be hostile. And they're, Anakin's kind of assuming hostile because, you know, they just kind of killed two entire bases exactly so he's kind of reaching for his lightsaber but obi-wan's all steady anakin they're only curious let's not provoke them as the droids and our troops must have done no 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 wait let's not be hasty hasty is a very obi-wan-y word 
Let's not be hasty. Exactly. He says that a lot. At least in the show. Or does he say it a lot? Or does it just seem like something he'd say a lot? I feel like it seems like something that he would say a lot. I'm sure he's said it at least once. Yeah. But I don't think it's a catchphrase of his. (laughs) But they, um, they make contact and turns out they are kind of civilized in a way kind of like how the ewoks were yeah they're like if wampas had the intelligence of ewoks yeah that makes sense not so much the they're crazy a primitive energy. tribe and they don't speak uh they don't speak basic so there's a language barrier there and the language they do speak they speak through this little proboscis yeah. thing that's just kind of <laughs> wiggles around <laughs> I love that you're using that word because I would not. <laughs> I, that's one of my favorite words. I think. <laughs> okay. I only know what it is through context, through the the way that you are using it right now. <laughs> but yes, they are speaking through their proboscises, proboscis, proboskin, probosoxen. <laughs> it, it, it's deep and and mumbled. And Anakin and Obi-Wan obviously have no idea what to do. So they're invited, but they are invited into like the main hut, like the city hall hut to, yeah. to establish kind of where they stand with each other. Yeah. And it seems like the towels are trying to kind of communicate what had happened. And as they're talking, they notice one of them has kind of this wooden slab that they've carved into kind of the, a rough shape of a battle droid. Yeah. Or maybe the leader like shows them that because yeah. he too he also knows that they can't communicate verbally. Yeah. But um, Anna, Anakin also picks up a board that is lying around and he draws very quickly draws something that's actually surprisingly good. It's this little uh, drawing of like a basic human figure shaking hands with a basic Tazoxan figure. And I guess it's. Shaking hands was universal enough that they understood what that yeah. meant. So. I, I took a minute to kind of think about, like, is there another gesture that could easily convey that? And I couldn't really think of one. Well, bowing? No, because, like, that's just a cultural thing. Like, shaking hands is pretty universal, I think. Because it's like... I don't know. Like... It's, it's a connection... And, like, bowing could mean, like... Well, in a lot of Asian countries, they do do that. They just kind of bow at, to say hello, even to, like, a friend. Yeah, but it, it it's... And I guess they're both kind of a sign of submission, in a way. But I don't know. It, it, it makes sense, I think. Yeah. Because bow is also kind of about the, the, emo, the, the motion of it. True. So I think, I think shaking hands was a good choice, Anakin. Good on you, Anakin. You thought it through well. And you drew it well, too. It was very clear. Annie the artist. But back to Cho and... Choo-chi. Choo-choo. Back to Cho and uh, Gucci. <laughs> back to Cho and Choo-chi. And they are arguing about what's been going on on the planet and... Kind of more just setting in stone their position on things. I want the weapon system back online and the shields operational. There's no telling what the Separatists have planned. Chairman, what makes you so certain the Separatists are behind this attack? Look around, Senator. Isn't this carnage proof enough? I know, but there are no dead droids here. No blast marks. The clone's injuries were not consistent with what... So, 
You're an expert on war now, are you, Senator? No, Chairman. No, I, I only... Let me tell you something, Senator. I have led our people since before you were born. I've seen a hundred planets rise and fall through force of arms. If it's not the Separatists out there, then it's a malevolent and aggressive enemy nonetheless, and I will not let whoever it is jeopardize the security of the people of Pantora. But if the Jedi discover that the Separatists aren't behind this, then perhaps there is a peaceful resolution. Senator, I am willing to fight and die for my people. It's time to ask yourself if you are brave enough to do the same. I mean... Cho has been pretty much been made clear his opinion. Yeah. But, but he also refuses to believe that it wasn't the separatists for some reason, even though, and I think he, he learns that they also found a separatist ship with battle droids having been dismantled and put on spikes in the same way clones had. But he, he I don't know. He, he's adamant that it was the separatists but because it, again, he just doesn't want to admit that, or he doesn't want to believe that there is something other than his own species yeah, on that planet. But then Anakin and Obi-Wan get back and report the news that, hey, there is this uh, species that's pretty intelligent living here. Like, you're, yeah. you're not alone. And they actually want peace. And Cho's like, no way! <laughs> exactly. He's, he's very mad, both that there is another intelligent species, which, wow, okay. Yeah. And that Obi-Wan would have the audacity to suggest peace. Yeah, especially when they just uh, totally slaughtered both sides. Granted, one side being droids, but still. What did you find? It seems we've stumbled onto an inhabited planet. Impossible. Our explorers have spent much time here over the long history of Pantora. No one lives here. They are trespassers. With respect, Chairman Cho, these creatures, the Tolls, aren't advanced enough to master space travel. I think they may have been here longer than Pantora. Whoever they are, they belong to us. This whole system belongs to us. Your Majesty, if there are life forms here, then the Senate must decide jurisdiction. They are savages. Look at what they've done. They've slaughtered your troops. They only want to be left alone. The droids attacked them, and I'm afraid our outpost got caught in the middle. They must be subdued. They're dangerous. Captain Rex, prepare your troops for battle. We promised their chief there would be no retaliation. We've arranged a meeting between their High Council and you and the Senator. They want peace. We can't send troopers. They'll think we lied. These creatures are little more than animals. You can't lie to an animal. They can't be trusted. But Your Majesty... No. It is obvious these creatures are not covered by the Convention of Civilized Systems. The Jedi Council has no say in the matter. If the Jedi are able to communicate with them, their status is in doubt. Do you stand against your chairman, Senator? Of course not, Your Majesty. If we are going to meet with Ty Sen and his council at the arranged time, we will have to leave now. So, so not only is he is Cho all, how, how dare they suggest peace, he's also how dare they even exist. Yeah, which helps his motivation because... He decides to go wipe them out, basically. And at this point, you're pretty sure Cho is the bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> and Chuchi's the total opposite. Exactly. She, she She's kind of more soft-spoken, and she kind of just wants peace. Yeah. But Cho gives the order for the clones to all head out and... Just wipe them out. Just, and 
just wipe them. It, I feel like there might have been a little bit of a, an allegory about England coming to North America. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that was at least the inspiration for this this story. <laughs> But it's not only Chuchi that is against this idea. Obviously, the Jedi are like, whoa, whoa, hold on now. Okay. Yeah. They want peace. You're just getting involved in something that is going to be a downward spiral. Yeah. Definitely. But he's adamant about it. And for some reason, he thinks he can boss around the clones, even though he's not like <laughs> or a public figure at all. Exactly. So, But the, the clones do follow him, and Obi-Wan's just kind of like, okay, we'll follow him, but... Don't really follow his lead. So the gunships can't take off in this storm. We don't have enough bikes for the entire platoon. Have the rest of the men stand by here. No matter what the chairman thinks, we're not going to war. Exactly. So they all go out to, I guess they set up a meeting place and a time. Yeah. Which I'm sure was complicated. Yeah. Because of the lack of verbal communication. True. And this wasn't a meeting place to fight. This was, even though Cho was already sure he wanted to do that. It was just a a diplomatic meeting place. I believe it was the Separatist ship. Yeah, I think it was. But of course, right when they get there, Cho gets out of his speeder and he's like, okay, get ready to fire. (laughs) And everyone's like, "Mm, I don't think so. They've kind of been following you. Captain, put your men on that ice ridge. We will attack as soon as the savages arrive. There will be no attack, Chairman. You will do as I command. This planet is under my jurisdiction. Nothing is under your control, Chairman. The Tals are already here. Their scouts have been following us for some time. It seems Tai Sen doesn't trust you any more than you trust him. And then all behind them, <laughs> just a bunch of these Tals oxen start popping out of the snow. Helps when you have white fur and you live on a snow planet. Yeah. Sneak around. Their Pokemon don't help very well because they're blue, but... Well, I guess ice. I don't know. Sure. Doesn't matter. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But he's like, oh, shucks. I guess I have to play nice for a couple minutes. And so he and Obi-Wan and Anakin and C-3PO, who is also there for translation purposes. And Chuchi? Yes, Chuchi goes. They all go and... Chuchi. (laughs) Cho and Chuchi. They all go and have a conversation with the... Talzoxen chieftain. Uh, Tyson. Tyson. Thyson? Tyson, I believe. Bison? Oxen? <laughs> Tyson. <laughs> Look, let's just, yeah, let's just stick to Tyson this time. <laughs> so Tyson is basically, through C-3PO, of course, basically says, we would like to be left alone. Like, let's be friends, but leave us alone, pretty much. Exactly. Like, just don't mess with us, and we won't mess with you. Everyone goes home happy. These savages have no rights here. Chieftain Tyson welcomes you to his home and hopes you come in peace. He wishes to be good neighbors, but he does not wish you to remain on his planet. Listen, droid. Translate everything I say, and exactly as I say it. Would you like me to represent Pentora in this matter? Not on your life, Senator. There will be no diplomacy this time. Listen here, you savage. This world belongs to the moon of Pantora, and as the supreme chairman and exalted ruler of Pantora, you will not command me to leave this planet or do anything else. Your Majesty, we can't. Droid, tell him. 
I recommend a less confrontational discussion. The towels are easily provoked. That didn't go over very well. Chairman, I promised the towels that we would leave them in peace. This is now an internal affair of Pantora. The great Tai Sen, son of sons, asks again that you leave or it will be war. Then war it is. But of course, Cho is like, you already kind of messed with us, so I want to mess with you back. And by that, I mean kill you. All of you. But basically, in this interaction, Cho declares war against the Talzoxen. And I'm a little confused as to why, like, I mean, obviously the Talzoxen are easily aggravated and Cho just declared war on them when he's standing right next to them. Yeah. But they didn't just, like, immediately start fighting. They, I mean, I guess that was, like, neutral ground. Yeah. So it, it, I, I mean, I agree. Like, I was hoping a fight would break out because that would be really cool. But it makes sense, I think. But the Talzoxen leave. And as soon as they're gone, Cho tells all the clones to get ready to fight. <laughs> We're going to kill them all. Oh, boy. Troopers, mount up and follow me. So they get on their speeders and they start zooming after them. And there's like... Only a few of them that were with them, like at the neutral ground they're chasing. Yeah. And they chase them into this big ice Maybe cannon. Maybe like a dozen or so. Yeah. So it's Cho and a dozen clones <laughs> all going into this canyon of ice, of course, because that's the whole planet. And just like before, suddenly, oh crap, there's a ton of these popping out of the snow and they've all got spears and they're all big and fast. Exactly. So... Here we go, the first bit of action. And it's not looking good for the clones. Especially since... There's spears flying. Especially since they're all kind of fighting just because it's like, well, we don't really have a choice to, even though we know this isn't what... Exactly. The Jedi They're defending wanted. themselves. Yeah. So yeah, it's all on Cho. <laughs> exactly. He's, the, he's the, literally the only one that's beside, like... He's the only one interested in violence of any sort. He's the only one that sees them... As being on the offensive. Exactly. Where the clones are just like, oh, okay, we're in this now. And, exactly. And the Jedi are pretty much the same way. So there is a fight scene. What happens in this fight scene? Lots of clones get speared. Lots of Tal's oxen get shot. And uh, Cho gets speared in the back. Yeah. Not fatally, maybe. He's still alive. And one of the clones... Uh, it's a little annoying. Yeah, they have been ordered <laughs> to protect him because as much of a jerk as he is, he's still technically under the Republic and yeah. he's like a high up leader. You got to protect him. So he faithfully carries out his duties and flops them over his speeder bike as they're retreating. And at this point, there's like four of them. There's exactly. four clones left. And meanwhile, Obi-Wan and Anakin and Chuchi are trying to figure out a way to go above Cho's head and cancel the war. Senator, you know a preemptive strike is illegal. Isn't there anything you can do to stop him? I'm afraid not. He has proclaimed this conflict an internal affair. You could petition the Jedi Council for an intervention. You mean, without his authorization? There must be someone on your moon who could approve it. The Speaker of the Assembly. 
he has the power. Let's get back to the base. The storm is letting up. Maybe we can get a transmission through. And Chuchi realizes that she can contact like another high up person to get the Pantoran assembly. Yeah. She contacts the Pantoran assembly pretty much just to get permission to have authority. Exactly. Or to like have their to like give their word for to, them. To speak on behalf of the assembly and of the Pantoran government. Well part of it is that she had said that uh she had mentioned what Cho was doing and how crazy it was, so they kinda took away his position. Exactly. And did they just give it to Chuchi or just like give her some sort of authority in the situation? I uh, doesn't matter. She, she has is, authority. She now. is now the spokesperson for Pantora and Cho is not. But he doesn't know that because he's unconscious and also not in the same place. <laughs> and also has a giant wound in his back. Yeah, that's why he's unconscious. Yes. <laughs> I was just putting a finer point on it. Yeah. A finer point like the one that went into his back. So the clones are speeding away on their speeders because that's what speeders do. They speed. That's It's really true. Tells Oxen, like, it looks like a hundred of them at least, yeah. are chasing them from behind on their... On their Rebus. On their Rebus. <laughs> and uh, the... Cl- are we both picturing Reba McIntyre? <laughs> I was thinking about the show when we said it. Yeah. Her show. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but I forgot. I forgot who starred in it. Because I've, I've never watched it. Reba McIntyre. Makes sense. I just remember this old CW ad for, for Reba. And it was just like... And this was almost definitely an Alabama local thing. Because I just remember like a couple... They might have been dressed as like that couple in the painting with with the guy with the pitchfork. Oh, yeah. I think they like were the dressed... two farmers that just look angry? Yeah, I can't remember the name of the painting. Probably Two farmers ne- that look angry. Oh, that's right. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, American Gothic is what it's called. Oh. But they were dressed like that, and the man was just saying how he was bored, and the woman, and this is the only line I actually remember from it, but it's a very memorable line. The woman goes, let's watch Reba. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately for these clones, they're not going to get to watch Reba tonight, a few of them. Because they're watching the rebas well i was bite their face off well i was thinking more specifically about the ones that fell in the ravine oh right of course because there was this huge (laughs) ravine that they had to cross that had like an ice bridge but it started collapsing right as they started going over it and half of them well a couple well there's only a few left so several of them fall in a couple (laughs) so now there's only like three or four left on the top yeah and an unconscious cho and a hundred tells oxen. Yes. And some action happens. And. It's just, well, I mean, it's just action. I mean, it's like, just action. Trying it's to defend themselves. Basically, this whole episode, we've covered a lot of the drama and we've breezed through the like seven, eight minutes of <laughs> of action. So. There's not much to say about it, really. Yeah, I mean, it's action. the fact that it's happening is enough to say about it. Exactly. So basically, the scene is just. The Talzoxen are continuously getting closer to the clones, and Chuchi and the Jedi are kind of rushing uh, to intervene, and you're hoping they get there on time. And then they do. They do. <laughs> it's not this big climax or anything. They get there, and Chuchi tell. Oh, we didn't even mention Chuchi was very apprehensive about having the responsibility. That's right. 
Senator, now that you have the authority, how do you plan on making peace with the Tals? Actually, Master Jedi, since you are far more experienced, I was hoping you could negotiate on Pantora's behalf. I'm afraid that's not possible, Senator. But I don't understand. The Jedi serve the Senate. I must order you to... Senator, it is your people the Tals are at war with. If the violence is to stop, it is you who must represent your people. Obi-Wan kind of had to convince her. That was like, that was a big thing in my notes because like, it was a good character moment. But, um... Characters were good in this episode. Exactly. Um, good voice acting too. Yes, I have that. That like It was specifically very good voice acting, I thought. Yeah. Um... And good animation. Gosh, it's a it's a it's, it's a symphony Wars. of good stuff. But Chuchi and Anakin and Obi Wan land, and Chuchi tells Cho, who is now conscious at this point. Yeah, but and ready to fight. <laughs> well, he's clearly dying. <laughs> yes, but um, I don't. I, I don't understand really why the tells oxen decided to stop advancing when they saw the gunships when that totally looks like reinforcements well because i think they know that it's anakin and obi-wan or maybe they're just like oh no gunships that's their those are big and they could kill us <laughs> possibly they probably but, have a um, good reason yeah it's fine yeah so uh before chuchi goes and talks to the tells oxen she has to go back to cho and basically she says... She gets to go back to Cho. Yeah. And say, hey, listen up, pal. You're not in power anymore. And... Punk. Like, I'm in power. And also, you're dying, so it doesn't matter. And uh, then... She's said it way not that <laughs> way, but... Chairman, can you hear me? Senator, good. You must avenge me. As my final command, as chairman of Pantora... I order you to destroy the Tals. I'm afraid I cannot do that, Chairman. The Pentoran Assembly has called you out of order. I am to negotiate peace. No. Impossible. Peace. Never. I died for our people. Cho goes on this big rant about how... I'm about to die for my species... You better be willing to do the same thing, which is really manipulative. Gosh, he's such an evil character because even in his dying moments, he's just like trying to look like the hero and looking so selfish as he does it. Terrible person. Yeah. But Cho dies. <laughs> and no one is sad. <laughs> and Chuchi goes out to speak to Tyson. With, with, with uh, C-3PO, of course. Yeah. Um, so she grabs Cho's helmet. Oh, that's right. As well as a spear that has been thrown. And she walks up, she plunges it into the ground, and puts Cho's helmet on top as a, basically like, hey, yeah, let's stop this. And she gets C-3PO to uh, translate for her. She says, To die for one's people is a great sacrifice. To live for one's people, an even greater sacrifice. I choose to live for my people. What do you choose? Me chalacho. So mu chalacho. And she extends her hand, and Tyson lifts his spear, and we're like, oh no, what's he gonna do? Is he gonna stab her in the face? And she does! 
and you see the first bloody gory moment in Clone Wars. He put it in the snow. So it made this little cross with Cho's helmet on top. It's very symbolic. He chooses to live as well. We will leave Autoplutonia under the watchful eyes of the Tals from this day forth and recognize your sovereignty as a free and equal people. They part ways and the Tals oxen are never to be seen again until that one somehow makes it to the cantina <laughs> on Tatooine. And thus, the shortest war in the history of the galaxy was over. Well done, Senator. Yes, most impressive. Thank you, Mr. Jedi. Now that you have created peace between your people and the Tals, remember one crucial thing. Yes, Mr. Kenobi? Make it last, Senator. Make it last. And be an example to others, so not only this war, but every war waged may come to an end as well. I will. I promise you. And we end on a nice symbolic shot of the cross in the snow. William! Hey! What did you think of this episode? 8 out of 10 minichlorians. Just jumping straight to it. Yeah. I mean, not a perfect 10. It's not like it's the most incredible thing. Pretty obscure episode. Yeah. But... A simple episode. But I got a check for uh, a check mark for all the different aspects of it. Exactly. Animation was good. Voice acting was good. Good characters. Interesting yep. storyline. Yep. I was actually pretty re- legitly pulled into it yep. at points. And I stopped taking notes like halfway through. Yeah. I was just like, I'm interested in this enough that I'm going to remember it. Yeah. So, I agree. Eight out of ten. Solid eight. Unanimous eight. Unanimous eight. Midichlorians. William! Hey! Guess what time it is. Adventure time. We mentioned it earlier. It's time for William Potter! William Potter. Spoiler alert! That's the spoiler alert. Great job. Um, If you haven't seen or read Harry Potter... uh, Pause this right now. Go like stop. You you. Well, here's what you could do. You can pause this. It'll stay paused for as long as you want, and go either watch or read the first four movies or books of Harry Potter. Um, great, great series, and we really don't want to spoil it for you. I would love it. It would mean a lot to me personally if you would go and experience Harry Potter on your own, uh, because it is a wonderful series slash franchise amen brother so now that we've seen or read the first four harry potter books or movies i've seen half of them you've seen half of them i've seen half of harry potter you've seen half of harry potter i'm just gonna repeat everything that you say (laughs) (laughs) so without further ado william we just watched harry potter and the goblet of fire what did you think was four things I want to talk about. Yes. In this order. The ball, number one. Uh-huh. Number two, the one who should not be named. Oh, and that kind of stuff. Don't say his name. I didn't. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I didn't say you did, William. Okay. Well, anyway, number two, Voldemort. Number three, <laughs> Mad-Eye Moody. 
That guy. Yeah. Yeah. And number four, Edward Cullen. <laughs> Edward Cullen from Twilight. So, in this movie, I'll throw in some stuff too. By the way, because I like him, and I'm going to talk about him. Okay. Um, well, anyway, unlike this podcast, we're not going to do a recap of the movie. No, because that would take days. So I don't have to establish that it's the Triwizard Tournament, because you know what that is, because you paused it and watched the movie, right? Anyway, um, there's a ball in the middle of it, as you know, because you've like seen it. Like a dance, like not like a yeah, not like a beach ball, not like the Epcot ball. There's a ball. Yes, but not a spherical one. <laughs> Just move along. It's a dance ball. What do you want to talk about? Well, first of all, lots of teen drama. Yeah, lots of teen drama. But it was... This is where it starts, William. (laughs) 14, the hormones begin. Oh, man. It gets pretty intense. Look out. But it was was interesting. I liked it. I think think my favorite part was when... Well, I'll talk I'll talk about this part first. When that rock band starts playing, yeah. cuz at first it's like they're dancing the classical music, but then yeah. the night gets less young. <laughs> to put it older, a certain way. See. Yeah. And there's a word for that. It's older. I was thinking about the expression the night is still young and yeah. then the opposite of that came out. Sure. Because just keep that's going. what I meant. <laughs> We're taking too long. Not sure what I think of the rock band that played. Yeah. Like apparently there was like legal trouble because that rock band in that I think this is the case, the rock band in the movie is like named the name of a real band. Okay, I remember hearing that about something, and I. But think was it, was it called this. that in the books, or was it in the books at all? I don't know if it was in the books at all. Let me look at trivia real quick. Matthew's looking up trivia. Here it is. The rock band at the... I'm just going to read this. Okay. The rock band at the Yule Ball... It's a Yule Ball. (laughs) Okay. It's comprised mostly of members of Pulp and Radiohead. Wow. Interesting. I knew that. Okay. I I recognized them. Okay. I didn't. (laughs) In the run-up to the movie, a Canadian folk group called The Weird Sisters, spelled W-Y-R-D, Sisters filed a $40 million lawsuit against Warner Brothers, the North American distributor of the film, Jarvis Cocker from Pulp, and Johnny Greenwood and Phil Selway from Radiohead. In the book, the band is called... So it is in the book. Okay. In the book, the band is called The Weird Sisters, spelled normal. W-E-I-R-D. Sisters. And in the band, it's also called The Weird Sisters? In the the real-life band, it's W-Y-R-D. Sisters. But in the book, it's the Weird Sisters spelled normally after the witches in Macbeth. Oh. Yeah, that's a known enough thing to where it's like... Yeah. But apparently, before the movie was released, Warner Brothers removed all references to either name for the band. Yeah, because I don't remember them saying the name of the band was the Weird Sisters. So, there was that. Anyway, wasn't sure what to think of the rock band and the fact that, like, Hogwarts, it's weird, but it's like... All the professors are That's like true. very like strict in certain regards yeah. and, and like lots of professionalism. And so to, to just like, let's just have a rock band and let them like have a rock concert and have one of our professors crowd surfing. <laughs> he wasn't intentionally crowd surfing. <laughs> Presumably someone picked him up. Well, but, sure. Um, but like know. they weren't putting a stop to it at all. They're just like, oh, this kid's having fun. Yeah. 
And the fact that <laughs> what's her name referred to it oh, as what again? Oh, McGonagall is her name. Yeah. Professor McGonagall referred to it as well-mannered frivolity. Yeah. So I don't think that made sense to have happened, but whatever. Yeah, sure. But my favorite part of the ball was when the rock concert's happening <laughs> and Ron and Harry are just like sitting in the back just like totally slouching <laughs> in the dumps and both of their dates are just they don't want to be there <laughs> they do not want to be there at all and wind up i think both of them got asked to dance by someone else yeah so i'm sure they're just sitting there just doing nothing yeah that's I how it that, goes i thought that was really funny that's and just how like it goes, man yeah was ron still really mad at harry at this point I don't. Think, I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yeah. There was some Ron and Harry strife that was a thing. I don't know how I feel about that because it felt like it maybe like it was maybe just filler for for conflict for the first half of the movie, but possibly also it might. I mean, it. it but it's understandable. Their relationship. I thought it was, and it, it, it. I didn't fully believe the reasoning behind, like. But it does grasp their, like, teen yeah, immaturity it does. at the moment. Yeah. This is, I think, the angstiest of the Harry Potter movies. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, okay, so Voldemort. Yeah. Let's talk about that. This is one of my favorite things that happens. So, yeah. He's uh, back. He is back. I love hearing that. But this, is, I, this is, like, my third time running through these movies, and every time hearing he's back just brings out more excitement and like dread also because <laughs> i yeah. know what's to come first of all the fact that he's back and i mean come on even if you haven't watched harry potter you know what voldemort looks yeah. like he's the tall pale guy with no hair and yeah. no nose especially <laughs> i don't know why i said no hair before no nose yeah he's and this man. is the first time you see him like that and he's so brilliantly played by ray fines yeah but he's my, so great, and he—you'll see that in the future movie. He's so good. He was very good, very very good. He's so good. But um, I think my favorite part was just how it was placed, like, and when it was placed specifically, because he's at the beginning. He's in Harry Potter's dream. You don't see him. You just like see this little creepy looking hand, and you hear his voice. And then, like for the rest of the movie, there's no antagonist. It's just like you know. And in the first three, they all had, like, there was an antagonist, or there was something happening by an antagonist that you yeah. weren't sure who the, who it was. But in this one, there was a little bit of that, but it was just like... With Barty Crouch Jr. and slash Mad-Eye Moody, who we'll talk about later. Yeah. But it was like, they, they didn't really focus on it very yeah, much. They would put true. hints of it, but then the main part was just like, oh my gosh, this Goblet of Fire spit out Harry's name... When he didn't even What's enter going it. What's on, yeah. And so he's in the wizard tournament, and you just kind of assume... Tri-wizard oh, tournament. To the tri-wizard tournament. So you're just kind of assuming, okay, the Goblet of Fire is just like this really magical thing, so it did yeah. what it wanted. Yeah. That's just kind of what I assumed. And then, you know what happens when you assume. And so you're just focusing on the tournament, on the teen drama, and then, boom, they touch... Harry and Edward yeah. Cullen touch the Porky. cup at the same time. They're in the graveyard you saw at the beginning, and then all the Voldemort stuff just happens right there, it's right, it's and you're just there. like, <laughs> "What?" And I was thinking, like I, I mentioned this before we started recording, 
there there is no better lead up to a villain i don't think because there are three full movies where we've been talking about how bad it'll be if voldemort comes back and then here he is and he's back that's why he the the words he's back like i love that so much there's just something really incredibly powerful and dreadful about it and it's just it's just because they they build that anticipation really well over the first few movies and that brings me to mad eye moody yes because this is why it brings me to mad eye moody is because of the whole villain thing. Because kind of traditionally, at least in the first three, I'm pretty sure it was the first three, it was like, here's the guy we're going to make you think is the bad guy. Yeah. And he's not. In the first one, it's Snape. It turns out to be Coral. And the back of Coral's head, also. Yeah. <laughs> in the second one, who was it in the second one? That was more just a mystery, and we didn't know what was going on, and then it turned out that it was Ginny, kind of. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I don't really know if the I don't know if there was like a saw I I mean there probably was, I'm just not remembering. And in the third one it was Sirius Black? Yeah. Yeah. So in this one, they set up a character like that, Mad Eye Moody. So you're like, okay, mm-hmm. he looks like the bad guy. You know he's not gonna be He's got an eye. But then at the end, you're like, Oh, he is the bad guy. Huh. What's going on? But he's also not. But then he wasn't the bad guy at all because it was actually The Doctor. It was actually the doctor. <laughs> Barty Crouch Jr. <laughs> um, <laughs> having taken a Polyjuice po- potion and he was disguised as Mad-Eye Moody the whole time. Yeah. Now, was Mad-Eye Moody actually him the whole time? or I don't know when that change happens. Yeah. Be- and I think, I know around when it was, at least around when they start hinting at it because he does the thing with his tongue. Yeah. And I first... The, the, what I thought that meant was the guy he was talking to that has the Hitler mustache. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, is that the, the, the Barty Crouch Sr.? Senior. Yes. Senior. Yeah. Um, Barty Crouch. When he was talking to that Barty guy, was, I believe he did the little name. tongue thing. And I thought that was like a little snake thing. I mm. thought he was hinting that that guy, Hitler stash guy, <laughs> was actually the snake that we saw. Oh, okay. That was my first guess. But he was actually doing that. Nagini is the name of this. Yeah, when uh, when Harry looks at the vision in, in the little vision cup thing. Yeah, and then um, Hitler Stash Junior is being interrogated, <laughs> and he does the little tongue flick thing, and it's like, huh, huh. And I thought because he was doing it at the same guy, Hitler Stash Senior. Okay, that he was just doing the you're the snake guy. I don't think that... I think that might just be you. That was just me. That's it's, what I'm saying. Okay. But it happened twice to the same guy. So I was pretty thoroughly convinced of that. Well, but to then, me, it was it was pretty obvious what they were going for. It is obvious what they're going for. I just... Okay. Misconstrued it. Yeah. But then at the end, of course, when you find out, oh, that guy took over his body. Yeah. Then... Or really cool twist. Became, I will say one... There's a problem. Which is? Which is in... Chamber of Secrets, they use the Polyjuice Potion, and their voices don't change. And in this, Mad-Eye Moody sounds like Mad-Eye Moody instead of the Doctor. Well, that's filmmaking for you. That's adapting a book for you. Because in the book, you don't so. have to worry about voices. Because... I suppose so. You, you don't even know what they sound like. Yeah. They all sound like you in your head. Fun fact, Mad-Eye Moody, the, the actor, is Brendan Gleeson, who is Donald Gleeson's father. Cool. Donald Gleeson also appears in Harry Potter later on. 
oh. as one of the Weasleys. Interesting. Also, his uh, eye patch thing that's an actual eyeball. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> and it like zooms in and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty great. We've been talking for too long, I bet. But let's talk about Edward. <laughs> uh, all I was going to say about him is, hey, Edward Cullen from Twilight's here. <laughs> and when he showed up, I was just like, oh, that guy. It's hard to like the character of Cedric Diggory when he's played by Edward Cullen. <laughs> I liked him. Because I, I, mean, I just... It's hard to take him seriously after Twilight. One last thing, which is acting definitely improved. Oh, yeah. On Daniel Radcliffe's part. Yep. Very much so on Emma Watson's part. You should see him as a dead body. <laughs> Ron Weasley, uh, Rupert Grint, because I said the other two. Yes. Um, I feel like his acting hasn't improved. It's just I'm like more used to it. Yeah, sure. That's, that's, that's yeah. But not that he's bad. He did do a good job. He's pretty good. He's a convincing angsty teen. Yep. Because that was probably just him <laughs> at the time. Quite possibly. Oh, yeah. I have to give it so many owls. Oh, yeah, you do. I forgot about that. It's been so long. Um, Man, I really enjoyed this one. I don't know if I'd call it the best one that I've seen yet. This one is, is, it was a little slow for me. Or maybe not slow. Slow isn't the word. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's. If I could, it's lower on the list for me. If I could give it like 7.5, I would. But if I have to round it either way, I'll just say 7. Okay. I think that's good. A good solid I actually seven. think it has a 7.5 exactly on IMDb. Yes. But yeah, 7. 7 owls. 7 owls. 7 bright white owls. This has been a way too long edition of William Potter. But hey, since we're uh, putting this podcast on pause for a better cause, take what you can get. Yeah. Theme song. William Potter. Do you think anything will become of William Potter? Yeah. Let's. Uh, M- might it reincarnate yeah. in another way? <laughs> yes. Let's um. Let's keep doing it, but on awkward pauses. So that way, if anyone wants to know, they have to listen to awkward pauses. Yeah. I know that's your favorite part of Surviving the Clone it's Wars. It's everyone's favorite part of Surviving the Clone Wars. It's the part where we don't talk about Star Wars: The Clone Wars. <laughs> possibly uh, anyway william yeah. let's wrap this up Sh- should we include like everything still just like act like it's normal uh or well, should sure, we like because we can you know we'll be back someday hopefully again yeah uh so people will want to still be following us in case that happens uh but more importantly um we have had a, a discussion in the past that we kind of want surviving the clone wars to be more of a, a community than just like a podcast yeah so um you know we can keep all the all the social media active and we'll remain active on the page and on the, on the Facebook page and on the Twitter and uh we'll you know keep building this community of uh very niche <laughs> Star Wars fans. So hey. Oh. Hello. <laughs> if you like the show and you'd like to learn more, you can do so by visiting survivingtheclonewars.com. Uh, you can find all of the past podcast episodes on there. All the pod pasts. You can also find links to all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, well, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you can also contact us. You can do everything that your little heart desires on survivingtheclonewars.com. Your one-stop shop for all your Surviving the Clone Wars needs. And hey, you can also uh, still subscribe to podcast feeds, uh, because if we do anything of note, we'll probably put a little update there so that everyone kind of 
knows about it. Yeah. Uh, plus, again, who knows? Maybe we'll be uh, maybe we'll be coming back at some point. So uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, or you can follow us on SoundCloud or Stitcher. For Stitcher fans, we don't normally <laughs> say this, but it's kind of a special day. You are our favorite. <laughs> You can also find any and all of our previous episodes on those three sites. Once again, that's iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. So, uh, so hey, if you ever miss us, you can go back and relive all the magic of these first 15 episodes. Season 1 box, this DVD set coming soon. And like we said, uh, we can continue to uh, grow our little community on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Into that's a big community. Into a huge community. Like the show community. Like my favorite show community. So you can follow us on Twitter, at SurvivingTheCW, and you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash SurvivingTheCloneWars. William. Hey. Where can they find you on the internet? Well, on the internet, you can find me on Twitter at Arbizer, which is spelled A-R-B-I-Z-E-R, where I'm currently in a heated political debate with Toby McGuire. And you can also find me on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Arbizer. Just that simple. Amazing. Hey, Matthew. Hey, William. Tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Well, on the internet, they can find me on Twitter at Resdolph, that's R-E-S-D-O-L-P-H, or on Instagram at Reservoir Dolphin. And of course, as always, you can email us via contact at survivingthecloneWars.com or you can fill out the contact form at survivingthecloneWars.com slash contact. And hey, why not, if, if, if you have a favorite Surviving the Clone Wars memory, <laughs> send us an email and I don't know, maybe we'll read an awkward pause or something. We'll, we'll figure something out. <laughs> but send us your favorite memory. Sure, do that. Favorite quote. Favorite quotes. That'll be a fun one. Favorite quotes. Yeah. And William, we have some extra plugs, of course, because again, we've got our new show, Awkward Pauses. Uh, first episode is already out. You can, f- you can learn everything you need to know about Awkward Pauses at awkwardpausespod.com, your one-stop shop for all your Awkward Pauses needs. You can also subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher! And hey, we will also uh, throw out you can go ahead and follow Awkward Pauses on Twitter at Awkward Pauses. That's P O D, like the band, and S E S, like the band I'm about to start. It's and an al- acronym for super exciting super. And you can like Awkward Pauses on Facebook, facebook.com slash Awkward Pauses. Again, that's P O D, like the band that stands for Point of Death. And S-E-S. The band that has already disbanded. William, half of this episode of a show about Star Wars has not been about Star Wars. Well, that's okay, because <laughs> half of the first episode of Awkward Pauses is probably about Star Wars. We can't avoid it. Uh, yeah. Also, probably 25% of this has been links to other things. <laughs> so, uh... Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging in there over this whole episode. (laughs) Hey, William. Hey. Any other thoughts about this episode? Well, I have a thought, but it's not about the episode, but about everything we do in general. (laughs) And this is it. I I heard a very wise man say this. Hold the line, because love isn't always on time. See you next... Someday.
later. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. So you're just gonna cut it out there and have like us laughing. Somewhere with that, but then it was just too funny. <laughs> <laughs>